What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the NerdWide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Chris Rivers. Now, Chris, I've been dying to know, how's your week been? And more importantly, how's your fantasy doing this week? Uh, my fantasy's doing better than my week has been. Mm. Yeah, uh, overtime. So, Still. In fact, um, six days this week. So. Really? Yeah, uh, luckily I got a four-day weekend coming up over Halloween, so <sighs> I got four more days. And Here, I there's a good party going on that Saturday, the Halloween too. So you know that that's what I've heard. Yeah. That's what I've heard. It's, yeah, uh, uh, I'm looking forward. My mask actually arrives today. So. Oh, it's exciting. I've uh, tried on mine. I get my hair cut on Friday. My contacts came in the other day, yesterday actually. And I want to put I put them in the the group, but yeah, look at those bad boys. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be fun, and I can see in them, so that makes it even better. Yeah, so oh, it's gonna be exciting. I can't wait. I just a lot of a lot of stuff to get done before then, but yeah. once it's here, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, bigger than last year apparently. So, which is what I would like and what I want. So. Ladies and gentlemen, to get into this podcast, we got a lot of fun things to talk about the first half of season one of Harley Quinn. We've got Day Shift with Jamie Foxx and Snoop D-O-double-G. Did not realize it was in this movie. Um, we're also going to talk spoiler full of Halloween ends. We talked, uh, we gave our spoiler free recap and talked about it last week. This week we we're talking full spoilers and what it means for Halloween going forward. The movie series, not for 31st, you know. Weird how you guys say that. But first, we got to get to housekeeping. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube. Give us a good rating whatever podcasting service you use. If you don't like what you see or hear, let us know down in the comments. We can't fix the show if you don't let us know what to fix or how to improve it as well. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for three different monetary values there. Each one containing a bunch of bevy of little goodies over on Patreon. Chris, you been watching anything else this week? Yeah, bunch of bunch of overtime. Didn't have time either. No, didn't have time. So I'm in the same boat. It's been a really busy week. Um, I know Doctor Who's the this is something of the Doctor came out today. I really wanted to watch. Just we went to a pumpkin patch and we just been there all day and didn't have the chance to watch it. It's Jodie uh, Whittaker's last role as the Doctor, last appearance before yeah. Kuti t- takes over. And I was like, oh, I really want to watch it. But hopefully I'll get there this week. Um, Harley Quinn, I've really enjoyed. And it's a lot of fun. I, I'm, we're about to talk about it. But uh, I'm trying to think if we even watched anything else. Um, no, it's just been a busy week. So Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how, this is how busy I've been. I haven't even watched the premiere for American Horror Story. Jamie hasn't either. We talked about that this morning when I was doing the doc. I was like, Jamie, did you ever watch that? She goes, nope. She's Hadn't had time yet. Let's go. Because you made that comment off Facebook. Tyler, you should be watching this one. Jamie's like, ah. She said, well, I'm going to get you started with Coven first. Why don't I get you brave enough to watch it? We'll, we'll talk about other ones. So I was like, okay. You know what? Fine. So. <laughs> but Chris, let's talk about it. Harley Quinn, season one, episodes one through six. Overall, how are you feeling on the series so far? I love this show. Dude, it's um, so good, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I pulled up IMDb. Uh, to get the cast list again, just in case we we go down that that road in, in the discussion, and it gave me a chance to rate it. It was just, mm. just 
this little pop-up rate Harley Quinn, and I gave it nine out of ten stars. Mm. It's it's really really well done. The only thing I think that you could nitpick is I noticed early on Kaylee Cuoco doing Harley's accent, mm-hmm. and then it stops. It just becomes her normal voice. Yeah. After a while. Um, but the whole, I, I, I don't know what accent that is. I'm trying to place if it's supposed to be Brooklyn or. Right. I wonder but, if she uh, says like, okay, this is a little too exhausting and just say, well, we're just going to go normal voice acting from here on out. Could be. So. Could be. Cause it, it, it does stop. She, she uses it early on mm-hmm. and then it goes away. So. But it's it's a really great show. It's got some good fun moments. Um, Doctor Psycho, uh, hilarious. Well, we got introduced to him. I laughed so hard. It was just so stupid, but I loved it. I, I, I love the scene. I can't remember which episode it was because I watched all of them. Yeah, you know, all six mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about back to back to back. And uh, he comes out of Clayface's belly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he's giving birth to him. Uh, but, of course, no one else listening to this is going to get this uh, reference. But when I saw him, my first thought is when he was talking and some of his mannerisms. You remember a guy we worked with in the past called uh, Sean Michael? Yes. It's but psycho. Was... <laughs> now, every time I watch him, it's who I'm going to think of now. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. It is. Oh man. Dude, it's a it's a really enjoyable show. We're gonna go through the synopsis of every episode here in a minute. But like every time I told you before we started recording, every time someone new was introduced on the show, I was like, I know that voice. And sure enough, I'd go to IMDB. I went to IMDB a lot this week when I was watching these episodes. And I was like, oh, that's who that was. That's exactly who I thought it was. Or, oh, I didn't think it's who it was, but that's cool that they're in it. Like um, Jim Rash for The Riddler. Like, I spotted him the first time. And then um, uh, Scarecrow, Rahul Coley. As soon as he spoke for Scarecrow, I said, that's Rahul Coley. And Jamie says, no, I don't think that's him. I pulled it up. Sure enough, Rahul Coley's in like three episodes. I was like, Jesus, that's so good. And it's just, I mean, and Kaylee Cuoco, just phenomenal throughout this whole thing. Her and um, Poison Ivy, and as Lake, well, Lake Bell as Poison Ivy, to me, steal the show. Like, they are, they're, um, the way they react and talk to each other is just so funny. Yeah, and obviously, Alan Tudyke is mm-hmm. in this and does a phenomenal job. He He voices, I think, something like, what twenty characters or something? The, he he's always changing throughout the show. Yeah. It's, it's really good because he's a method actor. You know, he has to do it that yeah. way. <laughs> uh, let's get into the synopsis of each one. Episode one, of course, we're going full spoilers for all of this. Um, I mean, this season's been out since what twenty nineteen. So, following an unsuccessful yacht robbery, Harley Quinn is sent to Arkham Asylum. Though she firmly believes that her boss and lover, the Joker, will break her out. A year later, her best friend Poison Ivy actually breaks her out during a prison break and tries to convince her that he does not love her. Despite Ivy's support, Harley's attempt to break up with the Joker fails after he sweet-talks her into staying with him. The Riddler provokes the Joker into sending Harley to kill him before capturing her and Batman and giving the Joker the choice to save one while the other dies. When the Joker ultimately chooses Batman, Harley finally realizes she has never 
never meant anything to him. After learning Ivy and Riddler devised the death trap to drive that point home, and she was never really in any danger, Harley undergoes a costume change, officially breaks up with the Joker, and it clears her intention to make a name for herself in the criminal underworld. Um, I didn't realize she had a different costume on until it happened at the end of the episode. I was like, oh, I just, I don't know why she didn't pay attention really, but she went to her more of a um, Suicide Squad, the first movie or she was in more about that kind of outfit went away with a big comic-y hammer and went with a baseball bat, which is a little more believable. And man, this show does not pull any punches. It's so good. Like it just says whatever they want to say and does whatever they want to do. And it's violent and great. And I love it. There's one word that they do believe. Yeah. That, that Dr. Psycho cannot stop saying. Yep. And well, we're going to get there and it's not, I think it's a third episode. But I do like that we see the origin of Harley discovering her love. Mm-hmm. It sounds really weird to say it this way. Discovering her love for the baseball bat as a weapon. Yes. We get to see that aha moment. Mm-hmm. Just with one of the other goons. That's all it was. It's just yeah. so good, man. It's I love the way that like they really just went off the rails right at the beginning with the whole yacht scene. And I was like, okay, this is what kind of show we're getting into. And... It's really good. Who plays the Joker again? Alan Tudyk. Oh, he plays the Joker too? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Man, he's all over the place on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And and that scene, that reveal of the Joker being the captain of the yacht, where he literally pulls the guy's face off of his, like he was wearing it like a hood. Mm. And it's and then he sticks his hand in it and he's making it talk. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> The, the writers know what they're doing for this show. Um, so, yeah. Oh, man. Episode 2, a high bar. Believing she has to join the Legion of Doom to prove herself as a supervillain, Harley attempts to make a big splash by crashing one of their criminal enterprises with Ivy's help. However, they incidentally crash a bar mitzvah for the Penguin's nephew, Joshua. When the Joker teams up, uh, learns of Harley's, Harley's presence, and arrives at the party, Harley uh, suggests to dissociate herself from him and prove to attending the villains, Bane, the Scarecrow, and Two-Face how much better she is doing without him. Uh, this is exacerbated by her attempt to pull off a heist nearby, only to learn it was staged heist with actors for Joshua to experience. Uh, meanwhile, Ivy is relentlessly hit on by Kite Man, who, is, who inadvertently infects a group of boys with her pheromones. Not realizing it will kill them by turning them into plants, they rush to her apartment to retrieve the antidote to return in time to help Harley fight off the other villains. Using her psychology background, Harley convinces him to stop taking abuse from the Joker, forcing him to leave. Despite what happened, Harley remains committed to her goal of joining the Legion while Ivy cures the infected boys. The the vault scene is what killed me in this episode. She beats up the guards for it, and it's uh, Joshua Bucks. And then they raise the curtain up, and there's a bunch of dead people on the ground from where she's killed them. And Joshua's upset because that was his heist to become a little mini-villain. Just so good. You know, you mentioned that there's not a, not a lot of places that they won't go with this show. Uh, he's it's his bar mitzvah, so it's he's supposed to be what thirteen. What um, and his friends are kind of criticizing him because they don't believe <laughs> that, they don't believe that he finger banged this girl. <laughs> That's at so funny, dude. And she and she end, it ends up becoming a, an important plot point, right? Because she uses it against him mm-hmm. when he's pointing a gun at her harley does and she's like you don't want to do this <laughs> you haven't even finger banged a girl yet right starts shaking his gun and everything uh uh yeah. it's so funny 
Um, the the pheromones with the boys, the the way that she has to give them the cure is to kiss them. And she's like, no, it's more of an exchange. And the little kid coming in with a branch after he's already been cured, trying to get another yeah. kiss. <laughs> it's I'm the, still a tree. Right. I'm still part tree. <laughs> um, I was, do want to say, before we go much further, um, we've mentioned Dr. Psycho a couple times. Tony Hale. Mm-hmm. Who, who we talked about in um, in Hocus Pocus 2. I think we've covered a couple other movies he's been in. Um, voices Dr. Psycho. That's the, the big character that we've seen so far that he voices. Ron Funches voices King Shark. Ron Funches is a kind of funny best friend. So the podcast group I listen to and everything, he's on quite a bit yeah. and, and reacts and talks to them quite a bit. And his voice is nothing like King Shark's, and it is the funniest thing to hear him do a voice. Diedrich Bader, by the way, is uh, is Batman. So he's a good voice Batman too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of people, right? JV Smooth for Frank the Plant. <laughs> Christopher Maloney voices uh, Christopher uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. He just wants so, some love, man. His wife's just not with him anymore. Jason Alexander is the. Uh, the landlord. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really, really big. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco's sister is going to show up in this too. That's what I was wondering. And we're going to get, I think she's in season two once we get yeah. there. So but, uh, anyway. episode three. So you need a crew after the Joker hijacks a robbery. She was committing Harley realizes she needs a crew to pull off legitimate heist and attract the Legion of Doom's attention. However, she struggles to recruit others to her cause due to her, her, her gender and past association with the Joker. After talking with the Queen of Fables, Harley decides she needs other downtrodden villains like her and recruits Dr. Psycho, who is kicked out of the Legion by Lex Luthor for calling Wonder Woman in, in Giganta the C-word on national television, and Clayface, Gotham City's shape-shifting thespian extraordinaire. For the first heist, Harley decides to rob Maxi Zeus's Olympic gold medals as revenge for insults he made against her during her quest. Despite initial struggles, Harley, Psycho, and Clayface ultimately succeed after beating up Zeus before she sells the medals to purchase a nuclear warhead and force Gotham into naming a highway after her. Upon making the news, the media begins to consider her a potential competitor for the Joker, much to his ire. Her whole thing for like the first half of it, well, for the first half of these episodes was she wanted a, a highway named after her. That's all she was trying to do was to get away from Joker and get a highway named after her. And sure enough, she does. And at the end of the episode, there's someone being chased, a robber and being chased by cops. And they said, they're going down uh, Harley Quinn Highway and um, Poison Army goes, yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> that's just so stupid. I love it, man. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Psycho is great. I mean, we've got all the, tri the triumphant Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in the show. I love it. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I just can't wait for more. You get uh, the Queen of Fables. If I remember right, I didn't look it up to verify, but I think that's Wanda Sykes. It sure is. Um, she's in, then, she's uh, not only Queen of Fables either. So. Okay. So I shouldn't look it up and spoil. Right. Something. So I just okay. saw I saw Queen of Fables as the first one, then there's other things listed behind her, so I, I stopped looking after okay. that. Yeah. Uh, but she's, of course, funny. She's always good in mm -hmm. stuff that she's done. This is a talking uh, uh, textbook. <laughs> yeah. Stupid, dude. That, 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 apparently, that's what Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman all <laughs> Turned her into. A tax code. Because <laughs> she, she tried to get her own. She made her own uh, goons and henchmen and everything. And so they turned her into a textbook. 
<laughs> so now yeah. she's a tax person it's just for villains. It's just so stupid. <laughs> I love I, everything that they do. I, I think it's funny, too, that the villains, all the things that they do, all the people that they kill, all the banks that they rob and everything else, but they draw the line at the use of the C word. Yeah, yeah. That's when they draw the line. Even Legion of Doom, like, yeah, we don't, we don't condone this. <laughs> and he says it again at the end of the episode. They're like, okay, yeah. so... <laughs> Maybe he was a really bad guy. Um, episode four, finding Mr. Right. In search of a nemesis, Harley goes after Batman by stealing the Batmobile, but ends up with Robin, making her the laughing stock of the criminal underworld. Even worse, Robin appears on Tawny Young's talk show and lies about Harley agreeing to be his nemesis. After a failed attempt to get Superman to be her nemesis by kidnapping Lois Lane, Harley recruits King Shark into her crew, captures Robin, and threatens him into confessing he lied before revealing Young's talk show audience from behind a curtain to publicly, publicly humiliate him. When King Shark goes berserk after smelling blood, Batman arrives to subdue him before getting into a three-way brawl with Harley and an arriving Joker and Ivy. The Joker ends the fight by kidnapping Robin and forcing Batman to pursue them. Much to Ivy's dismay, she and Harley Cruz, her and Harley's crew, are evicted from her apartment by her cybernetic landlord, Cyborgman. Batman later comforts a rescued Robin and assures him he can wait until he is ready for his own nemesis. Another, this one was probably out of all six of the lowest of my, um, out of all the episodes, this one was. But it was still a good one because we're introduced to King Shark. He's this big tech-savvy guy as well. Um, but him, the fight scene at the end was really funny. I love the whole fighting in front of a live audience. Um, and like, it's what I really enjoy about the show is you're seeing a whole bunch of different aspects of the super villainary stuff. You're seeing talk shows, you're seeing uh, them watching the news of themselves or seeing their own hierarchy, um, their nemesis. And it's just, it's just small things like that. Like, um, the next episode, they're going to be looking for a layer. And just go the shopping through layers with different realtors. It's just so funny you, to me. You've got the uh, the what is it? Find a nemesis website. Yeah, find a nemesis website. So you can get like matched up with a nemesis, <laughs> like a dating um, profile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by the way, the Robin in this is Damian Wayne, twelve-year-old mm-hmm. Damian Wayne, who's not really ready to be yeah out there solo at this point. <laughs> it's just um, what, how was it he puts it the rubes he said all these rubes will believe anything that I say mm-hmm. because I'm Robin and that's when they reveal that he's on a talk show and yep. he stepped in it but they what I didn't like is they never go back to that right you know like there's no fallout from him insulting the the people of Gotham right but you know there was, there was a big fight going on and Batman was there so Paul's forgiven. Right. <laughs> Episode 5, Being Harley Quinn. While shopping for a new layer, Harley is unable to decide what her brand is and goes into a fourth-degree brain freeze. Ivy has Psycho bring them, uh, bring them, Clayface, and King Shark into Harley's mind and me with her consciousness. However, she accidentally triggers her mental defenses and locks them all in. While trying to find the emergency exit of subconscious, Harley discovers her indecision comes from the belief that her origin story was not her decision, that she altered her memory to believe that her becoming a villain was Joker's doing. Choosing the moment she broke up with him as her true origin story, Harley somewhat cures herself. Meanwhile, Borgman finds Harley in the crew's comatose body and believes they committed suicide because they're all wearing suicide shirts. Suicide Squad shirts, because why not? 
Uh, so he takes them to an abandoned mall to cremate them. At the last minute, everyone wakes up and nearly kills Borgman. Upon seeing the mall, however, Harley decides to make a third new layer and allows Borgman to join her crew after learning he was a former secret agent. This was a jam-packed, action-full episode. We had the Suicide Squad shirts, which the the landlord, Borgman, thought they all killed themselves. They said, oh, man, not again. And he calls this lady. He goes, yeah, it happened again. And I'm like, okay, so there's a, there's some backstory here. Um, it was that Frankie Muniz was in this as himself was in this show, uh, episode and had like two lines and that was it. So I'm curious to see what that looked like in talks and how much he wanted to do that. And the little tiny Harley Quinns were, were so funny. And then we did get her origin story. She jumped into the vat of acid and she was not pushed in, which was what she thought she was pushed in. So, yeah, they, she had always believed that, but they noticed that there's a glitch early mm-hmm. in the episode in her recollection of it. Um, but yeah, the, the Frankie Muniz um, appearance, so to speak, uh, and how Clayface changes into him to mm-hmm. get the, the little Harleys to... Find out he had a restraining order against her at the end, too. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the dumb stuff like that. Like It's just the small little clues they give you throughout the episode. It's just so funny. And then, the last one we watched this week, episode 6, You're a Damn Good Cop, Jim Gordon. Harley's crew steals a mysterious device from one of Enterprises, but Clay's face's arm gets severed and comes back to life. Becoming depressed after learning Batman fails to see him as a friend, Commissioner Gordon interrogates Clayface's hand for the location of Harley's crew, but ends up bonding with it. While Harley, Clayface, and King Shark try to recover the hand, Ivy and Psycho seek revenge on an online personality called the, the Cowed Critic for slandering them. King Shark is beaten by police officers and sent to prison, while Ivy and Psycho learn the crowd clinic, the cowed critic, is his estranged son, Herman, and makes amends with him. While well, in a shootout with Gordon, Harley discovers the device is a teleporter when it sends her to the Batcave. Once Harley realizes she has been selfish in ignoring her teammates, she encourages Batman to help stop Gordon after he starts obsessively defending the hand. Batman reconciles with Gordon, Clayface reabsorbs his hand, and Harley and her crew escape. As they celebrate, they realize they forgot King Shark and quickly break him out of prison. A lot to take in here on this episode. Um, the first one was uh, Ivy and Psycho. They were the the cowed critic made them believe it and made the world believe they were a couple, and so they can't have that. And so they went to the house. What it was. And obviously it was Psycho's house, uh, but it was her her boyfriend's house or something like that. Because it was like gigantic as her was his ex-wife, and it was a giant door. I mean, how did you not know? They knocked on one, and then the giant door opened, and here comes his ex-wife. And sure enough, the son's there too, and the son was the, the cowed critic. And there was a whole little dialogue with those two, with Herman and Dr. Psycho. He was like, no, no. I was being mean to you because I saw the evil in you. I, you could have been an excellent villain. And he said, oh, so you really do love me. And he goes, no, I hate you. And he goes, I hate you too, Dad. It's just very uh, bonding there. The one that cracked me up was Gordon this episode. Being, his wife is uh, out having affairs. He can't you know, have a relationship with her. He tried ha- talking to Batman by turning on the bat light. And Batman takes the bat signal away. And he says, you can't use this. You're not using it for the right reason. And that messes with them. He befriends a hand throughout this episode. It was bonkers. And I absolutely loved it. This was a fun episode. I mean, that all the exchanges between Gordon and the hand. <laughs> so funny. So you're my friend? Yes, I'm your friend. I'll never, I'll never, you're always my best friend. It was just some dumb stuff. 
yeah. And then at the end, when uh, he and Batman reconcile, the the look on the uh, on the hand's face, mm-hmm. he's sniveling, and uh, it. This was with the good stuff, though. It was probably the episode that was probably fifth of the sixth for me. Mm, okay. Fifth of the sixth. Um, but yeah, not uh, not. I mean, none of these are bad. Right. Just your lowest, one of your lowest ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with this. Um, I, you know, they've been signed up for another season and stuff like that as well. I know they've got three seasons out by now, but at this point I'm itching to for us to get to a break on our shows so we could get back to season two and season three. Because I know at the end of season one, I'm just going to want more, but we'll get there. We got Titans coming up and then uh, Doom Patrol after that, so... Oh man, I just can't wait. We're gonna have a, a lull though, so we'll be able to watch these episodes. So it's just a matter of time until we get there. But I'm very high on Harley Quinn right now, and I'm, I'm ready to watch more. I really am. So uh, notable news this week, of course. Next week we are gonna be watching the rest of the season one, and then we'll go into Titans the week after. But this week we got some more DC news for the CW. Red Death is reportedly the villain for the Flash's last season. And we were portrayed by Javisha Leslie from Batwoman. I'm going to uh, comicbookresources.com by Sean Gribben. The Flash brings back Batwoman star Javisha Leslie to portray the Arrowverse's Red Death. Filming is underway on the ninth and final season of The Flash, and set photos have surfaced through Canada graphs via Twitter showing off the show's Red Death costume, with Leslie reportedly the actor under the mask. Red Death was name-dropped earlier in the series, but will now be the next evil speedster that Barry Allen faces. However, bringing back Leslie hints that the show will be altering the villain's backstory from DC Comics. Um, as he goes on to talk about who the Red Death is, and it shows some pictures on there. Of course, if you Google it, you can find these pictures yourself. Um, Red Death was introduced during the 2017 event Dark Knight's Metal, first appearing in Dark Days, the casting number one. Created by writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo, the speedster's origin was explored in the Batman The Red Death, one shot written by Joshua Williams and illustrated by Carmen Di Gianda Mignonco. And I actually have this issue. I have all the Dark Knight's uh, Metal issues. Um, the villain hails from Dark Multiverse, specifically Earth-52. On this world, Batman Bruce Wayne grew injur- angry with the Flash, strapped him to the front of a modified Batmobile, and drove them into the Speed Force to steal the Flash's speed. This merged the two heroes together to create the Red Death, where Bruce's mind was in control while Barry's mind was trapped within their shared body, forced to watch as Bruce raced across the globe and murdered all of his enemies. So... Very interested in this, but someone did bring out on Twitter that it made sure to put this in the article. It says, so how is this conflict with the Red Death going to work? If the Arrowverse, in the Arrowverse, if Flash and Ryan Wilder slash Batman have not known each other and personally yet met in present time. So we'll see. You know, they're well, you know, the multiverse happened, but no one really knows anymore. So, <laughs> right. Um, Releases this week, Tuesday, October 25th, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities comes on Netflix. Wednesday, October 26th, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi launches on Disney+. Plus. I'm really excited about that one. Hopefully I can find some time to watch it. It's animated, kind of goes like it follows uh, Sokotano, um, 
and uh, uh, Count Dooku, like a couple of their tales and like the interweave and stuff. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, Wednesday, October 26th, The Mysterious Benedict Society on Disney+. Plus. Thursday, October 27th, the new season of Star Trek Prodigy on Paramount+. Plus. And Friday, October 28th, the new season of Big Mouth on Netflix. <sighs> That's all I've got for this week in TV. I'm looking forward to Cabinet of Curiosities. I was wondering if you were going to watch that. Because I, I think I might look into that as well. I like Guillermo. He's a yeah. phenomenal just director, creator, person, period. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what that's about. Absolutely. So with film, I've, I mean, I know I haven't watched. <laughs> no, I, anything, I haven't anything to watch. You haven't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now, one thing that we we did want to talk about this week, and I think this is probably the best time to do it. Yeah. If, if you want to save it or not, uh, is the Halloween ends. Uh, full spoilers. on spoilers. This is your warning audio listeners. Full on spoilers. We're going to be talking about this for a little bit and then we're going to go into day shift. But if you have not watched Halloween Ends, now is the time to skip ahead. Um, but yeah. Uh, Chris, do you think there's going to be more? Yes. But yeah. I'm, I'm right there. Absolutely right there with you. I don't think it's going to be Michael Myers. No. I, he, with him dying, being shredded, whatever you want to call it. He's dead. The mask still lives. But the whole Jamie Lee Curtis's, the end of the book said, you know, evil takes many shapes. Um, there's not just one. I think that's them, the creators, all of them saying there's going to be more. It's just not Michael Myers. Yeah. Myers. And I'm curious to see how, not only the public, but the moviegoers think of that. Because right. we're going to get more Halloween movies, but will they be called Halloween um, Michael Myers is obviously not it. So are we going to have a new serial killer we're going to call for the Halloween series? I'm, I'm very confused and curious to see where they go from this movie. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to remember exactly how she phrased it. I think it was evil never dies. It just takes a different yeah, shape. There's something along those lines. Like and then they, I know when we were watching it, there were questions about, well, why'd they show the house again? I can't remember if you asked <laughs> me, that. Me or... and you both. <laughs> we're the only ones that didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just like, okay, they, they, they showed the house again. <laughs> and I think it was Jamie that noticed they settled, when they showed the last shot, it was uh, the mask mm-hmm. laying there on a counter. So that that was the last shot of the film. Right. So are they saying that there's someone else is going to don the mask. I think it would might have been an illusion. Maybe they're going to remake Halloween 3 Season of the Witch which dealt with Halloween masks. Right. And we're going to get an updated version of that and then they're going to keep doing a different how a different horror story told on Halloween. Right. Every it's... every time they make a movie. I'm curious. I let me ask you this. Do you think this is Jamie Lee Curtis's last one? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. she said that it is. She yeah. said this is it, I'm done. I could see her cameoing in some way, shape or form, but as far as the main or co star, I think that's it. She's she's done. Yeah, I think it'd be fun if they if they continue it with someone else as the villain. 
Like if she's, uh, if someone's in like a, a store or something or a right. coffee shop and she's working behind the counter. Yeah, it's just something. Up, yeah, like she comes back from Japan and yeah. she's talking. To, yeah, because I mean, she's lost everybody. Her her granddaughter leaves. I mean, just goes to a different town, which is I think the best thing for her at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hated that Corey died and got um, is not really in it anymore because I I thought he could have taken on the mantle. I thought that's what they were trying to do was do a. This is my protege. I'm going to pass the torch because he dies. But he's but now I'm the Michael Myers character. Um, but no, no, no. They they killed him off in the end. So <laughs> we think. I yeah. mean No one's really uh, dead to you. Shred their box. Right. Body. We 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 know Michael's pretty much done. Yeah. Um, They'll come back from any of that. Then no, no nothing. No. But that was one of the big things. I think we kind of danced around last week in the initial review was um there's that the first scene where we see michael he's in the sewer mm -hmm. apparently he's been living there for what four years four years and uh he grabs Corey by the neck by the throat initially through a, a break in the concrete or something it looked like and he's just he's got him and he looks into his eyes and it's almost like there was a transference, like the evil. So that's what I thought they were doing. Like, Michael. yeah. But, because but... Michael became weak after that. Mm -hmm. uh, to the point that Corey was able to go in and beat him up and take his mask at one point. Right. And it's like, you just beat up Michael Myers? What? Well, so that's what I thought, too. And then but... you. No, I guess that was after the fact. Because the one of my favorite kills was him pull, holding the girl up up against the wall, just one arm, Michael Myers, and just shoving his knife straight through and just leaving her there. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man, he still has his powers. But like he, but then that next scene or a couple scenes later was him getting beat up by Corey and yeah. his mask was taken. So I was like, oh, that's – did we ever – did Corey ever put the mask on? Yeah. Yeah, he did Went going into the house. So Yeah. But, man, it's – I love these movies. I just want – I want yeah. more. And, like, it's – it's got like on IMDb right now. It's at five point one out of ten stars, and I'm like, I don't think it deserved that. Better than that. Yeah, no. was it a little campy? Yeah, but that's what these movies are. I mean, this is a series from the '80s, and it's just they were. It was a love story for these movies, and I felt like it was fine. Well, they were trying to wrap it up, mm -hmm. and I think they wanted to show Michael as weaker because, I mean, he is older at the end yeah, of the day. he's they, old. <laughs> they've never said that he's immortal. They've never said that he's otherworldly. It's just the evil drove him mm -hmm. to such a degree that he he was very hard to kill, uh, which is not, I mean, if, if you're familiar in actual history with the story of Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an ordinary guy, right? But he's, he was extremely hard to kill because they did everything to this guy's body. Um, so people have existed like that, and it's just... Evil wanted, takes different shape. Yeah, they wanted people to know that this is it for Michael. He's, mm -hmm. he's the age, his body's finally wearing down from all the punishment and everything that... It, eating rats in the sewer for four years <laughs> and, and and that's one of the other things I mean people have talked about killing makes him stronger mm -hmm. it's almost like it fuels the evil uh, 
and if he was hiding down there in the in the sewer, he wasn't killing like he used to. Mm-hmm. And so he was just getting weaker and aging, and he probably had, you know, bursts of energy like he did when he killed the girl. Right. Shoved a knife through her. That's, it's still, though, even though they've done it before in films, that's such a, a striking image when you see somebody being held up like that and stabbed, and then when he walks away, they just stay mm-hmm. in that spot. They don't, there. Yeah, they don't slide down the wall. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Favorite kill of the movie? I mean, outside of the very end where Michael's thrown in the shredder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that whole scene with well, them letting him just bleed out and cutting his hand open and stuff like that, I was like, this was very well orchestrated and very well shot, too. I mean, they pulled the yeah. fridge on top of him so he couldn't move, and they cut his hand so he couldn't move. And I was like, yeah, they, they knew what they're doing. Yeah. They had to do everything they can. Then they then they cut his throat right and just let him bleed out. Yeah. And then they paraded him through a town. <laughs> this whole yeah, town has been terrorized. The sheriff from the past couple comes back, the one that wears the cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see somebody. I, I, was it Frank? Is that his name? That was the the original. Yeah, Frank's the original one. The, the, and he uh, he's like, this isn't how we do things mm-hmm. and uh the sheriff's like tonight it is yeah i mean the whole town just parades the, through the whole town it. was out there yeah, they all wanted to watch it because oh. they all knew what this was yeah it was the end of um a horrifying terrory decades you know and i was for it like i'd i don't criticize that scene at all i feel like that's how it should have been but yeah. watching it at the time i was like Okay, you know, that's a, that's a little far out there. But you sit there and think about the whole... I mean, since the 80s, Michael Myers has been killing people and been hung over this town, this murder and everything. And now he's caught dead and everything. The whole town's there to believe that he's really dead and they can move on with their lives and move on with this aspect of it. And sure enough. But the only thing that got me, though, was the junkyard they went to and threw his body into the compactor. It was the same one that four other teenagers were just murdered at. And nobody yeah. said anything... There weren't even bodies anywhere to talk about. Like that still would be an active crime scene because it didn't happen too far away from each other. Well, too far in uh, time wise. Right. But, but man, it's. I think. I think the favorite kill. From the movie, though, because I, I I didn't answer that. Um, the we heard rumor that the first one was going to be really gory. Mm-hmm. And it didn't live up to the hype, right? For me, but it stood out. It was, it was sickening. <laughs> you, just, you just don't think it's going to go that way, right? Um, that might be it for me. This was not a great movie if you're just looking at kills. Yeah. Um, the first film I kept, I, I think I, I said it a couple of times that night, and then on last week's show. The first film, that gas station bathroom mm. scene, to me was just so brutal. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a high level of gore, but it was just the brutality of slamming someone's head over and over into a wall yeah. until it squishes. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of noise at that point. Yeah, and, 
and just imagine being in that situation mm-hmm. and you can't do anything nope. to stop it. Uh, this this guy has immense strength and you're not fighting back. No. There's there's nothing you could after like that first I'd say after the first hit you're probably done. I mean you're concussed yeah. as much where you can't do much and then you just keep going with it. I I would just hope that I, my pain centers and nerves would already be dead and yeah. I won't have to worry about it at that point. Yeah. I think for me it's between the the charge nerves which Again, makes no sense to me being in the medical field, uh, being stabbed up against the wall, or the um, not even by Michael Myers, the the blowtorch scene down the the high school bully's mouth was Weird. real brutal, and that was I was like, oh, okay, like they left it on there just long enough, but not long enough where it was nauseating. But I mean, they left it on there, and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. he got all molten and everything, and that was it. I was like, oh god. So I think between the, I think those two are probably fair. I think the classic pin her up and shove her knife through her and leave her on the wall is still one of my favorite kills. So yeah, they they like going back to that one. Yeah, I, but the imagery of it's just so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be really strong to do something like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think. I think they will come back with more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there was a bad performance in the movie. No. Um, we we tried to dance around some of the details last week, so it's a little bit tough. I, I wanted, if I'd had some time this week, to go back and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't possible. No. So I think the first uh, part of it drug on a little bit for me. But then once yeah. we got to Corey meeting Michael Myers, I think this went uh-huh. sped up for me. Yeah, setting up Corey with uh, with what happened three what was it three years ago, and then um, positioning that character and Allison to get together, mm-hmm. and her kind of being I, th- I think more or less drawn to him because she recognized he was an outsider too, and uh, has seen it all. Yeah, and then that just kind of became. And I I, yeah. I love what they did with it because he was he was horrified of Michael Myers and the whole yeah. Halloween story he horrified, and then that became his way of life for a little bit there. I just thought that was very cool. Face your fears kind of thing, and to the point that he beat up his fear to become evil himself was it was really cool and really well done. I really liked how they did that. Well, don't you think too that that's kind of the message of the film uh, with Corey's story, right? Is I, and and to some degree, Allison's as well. Like society takes these stances against people that are different, mm-hmm. and it's not that evil. Evil's not always born. These people handled it differently. Allison comes out the hero, right? Even even though she knows people look at her differently. Corey went dark, but it's still society's pressure. You know, that unrelenting, everywhere he went, people called him a killer because of what happened with that kid. Didn't know the whole story. and Right. And he just eventually said, okay, I'm a killer. And right. he embraced Man, when and... He got pushed off that bridge. I was like, oh, God, that's a that's a fear of mine. Like overpasses yeah. and stuff, just even in uh-huh. a car. I'm like, mm, no, thank you. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's a little bit of a social commentary there, too, I think, and don't criticize 
what you don't understand. Right. You know, because it can really have an effect. Mm. Good movie. Are we talk, are we talked out on Halloween? I am. Uh, I, don't think, okay. I think we've covered everything we wanted to hit. Let's talk about day shift then. Uh, uh, day the shift, it's okay. I mean, I've I've done night shifts. I've done day shift, but okay, terrible joke. I know. Anyways, <laughs> the film that Tyler thought was a different film. I thought it was a a zombie comedy. Okay, not a vampire action movie, right? <laughs> um. So. Let's see, I, it just came out, so mm-hmm. but I don't think that this is a film that you can really spoil. No, I think, I, I think a, we're fine with it. It's we'll get talking about it all. It's a fun watch, even if you know what's going to happen, you're going to want to watch it to experience the movie. Yeah. Uh, story centers around a pool cleaner played by Jamie Foxx called Bud. <laughs> the and, uh, names killed me in this movie. <laughs> the, the names were funny because, I mean, for one thing, you've got Bud, mm-hmm. and then his good, he's hes a vampire hunter, right? Yeah. And that's his, his real job, but he's been kicked out of the union for going off book. The Vampire Hunter Society, the union. Yeah. Such a cool name, by the way. <laughs> and his, uh, his friend that he worked with a lot when he was in the union played by Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. uh, which if you you know obviously marijuana mm-hmm. bud yep. you know, they kind of they kind of do that um, film also has Dave Franco in it who I think he only... stole the, the movie for me really yeah I loved him he's it's a really good performance yeah uh, a, strong, a really strong performance by him uh, Carla Souza's in this um I first really became aware of her when I watched How to Get Away with Murder. Mm. And she's on Home Economics now, I think. Um, but um, let's see. Let me pull up her character name here. Uh, Audrey I, San Fernando. Audrey San Fernando. I remembered Audrey. But um, she is she's basically the lead vampire. Yeah. This. Uh, she's running the show. Or at least in L.A. she's running the show. But what happens is uh, Jamie Foxx being a uh, a vampire hunter has cost him his marriage because he has to lie to his wife. He can't just tell her what's going on. And so she's left him. Uh, he's very close to his little girl and um, t- tells her, you know, like, because she wants to go for yogurt. And he says, well, don't tell mommy. So the first thing she does when she runs in the door, she tells mommy. Yeah, of course. We got yogurt. And, uh, but we find out that his ex-wife wants to move with their daughter to Florida from L.A. And he's like, you can't take her from me, you know. But she needs $5,000 for her tuition for the school that she's going to. And she needs like six grand for braces. Yeah, it's like it's like forty eight hundred or something like that. All yeah. all equals like ten grand. Yeah, and it, it's funny because he's like, "There's nothing wrong with her teeth," and she she gives him this look, and she he says, "She always says that she likes her teeth because they're like mine." And his ex wife's like, "Exactly." Yeah. <laughs> but we we see him kind of going out. He's trying to kill some vampires. 
they can pull the fangs from a vampire because a vampire can't live without their fangs. It's their one weakness, really, outside of sunlight. And um, he can sell those mm -hmm. on the on the fang exchange. What a, what a dumb he, thing. With the whole board and everything on that wall. It was had, so dumb. <laughs> had a board and it gave the up-to-the-minute prices for different <laughs> types of fangs. And it depends on how old they are and what part, I think, what part of the world they came from mm -hmm. and, and the vampire's ancestry. And and how old that. they are. And... Um, yeah. So the film centers really around him trying to get this money to keep his, his family in, in L.A., so he can still be in his daughter's life. And so everything he does after that with trying to get back in the Union, he does get back in the Union, mm -hmm. actually. And then he has... It It really doesn't follow him much on trying to get the money. Because soon after he gets back in the Union, the first kill he makes in the movie sets the vampires on his trail. And now it's about just him trying to save his family. Right. You know, forget the money. He's trying to save his family because they kidnap his wife and daughter. The first kill in the movie of a vampire. Um, and I'll, I'll say now, I gave this two and a half stars. Oh, that's exactly what I just gave it. <laughs> and and it's, it's a fun watch. It's one of those you can put on if you've got people over. Yeah. And you can just kind of watch it and talk about it as it's going you don't really have to pay too close attention to follow the story as far as horror elements and it is made to be a comedy mm -hmm. right uh from dave franco pissing his pants <laughs> and and all kinds of stuff but the horror element for me was only in that first scene because yes there, there's this little old lady it turns out she's the daughter of Carla Souza's character, um, Ashley, right? Mm -hmm. I'll remember that when I'm Audrey. To. Audrey. Mm -hmm. um, she's her daughter uh, because something happened. They explain it, how by the time she found her and turned her, I think, uh, she had already grown old. Yeah. So she's, she's an old lady. And... They did. They bring that thing back from Legion. If you've ever seen Legion, there's a scene in a diner at the beginning where this uh, this being is in the form of an old lady, and she starts spider crawling up the walls mm -hmm. and stuff. Well, they kind of bring that back here, where Jamie Fox, his his character Bud, shoots her right when she walks out of the bedroom, and you're like. Was he supposed to do that? <laughs> she hasn't revealed herself yet. And then you start hearing the bones crack mm -hmm. as she's putting herself back together. And then she kind of contorts her body and starts. So she's on her palms of her hands and her feet are flat on the floor. And she's just, the bones are cracking. That's and so gross. Put herself back together. And that's really the only horror element of this. Um, the rest of it, they don't really put a horror spin on. It's like right. a vampire, vampire action comedy. That's that's how yeah. I took it, and I was hoping for when I picked this movie, I was like, okay, you know, we're having a a horror comedy was what I was thought it was going to be more towards. Right. Not so much. It was more so an action movie than it was a horror and even a comedy movie. And I was like, eh, like so far, 
this is out of all the movies we watched this year. This is my lowest one. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, it's the one that I pick. So whatever. But it's like the world knows. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong; it's good. I, I would recommend somebody watch it if if they're wanting to see something different, something again, kind of light that you don't. It doesn't have a serious twisting plot that you right. have to follow. It's pretty straightforward. It's definitely worth a watch. There's good performances here. I would have rated it lower except for those four people. Um, Carla Souza, Jamie Foxx, Snoop Dogg, and, and Dave Franco. Do you yeah, think we're getting a sequel? The ending of this, as Jamie Foxx is back together, Bud's back together with his family, and they're driving off. We think Snoop's character died. Mm-hmm. Because we think he blew himself up to kill all the vampires around him when he was out of ammo. He crawls out of the sewer. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the exact line, but it's a riff on the line at the end of The Lost Boys. Yeah. Um, But it's about how he loves L.A. because of all the vampires in the city. Now, he got bit. I'm pretty sure he 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 either is now or was a vampire. Was already a yeah. vampire. That's what Jamie said. What Jamie thought that he was. I was like, but he his death was a big UV bomb. So yeah. I was like, why would he do that well, if he was a vampire? But so I but don't it's, know. it's it's like um, oh what was it? I'm trying to remember. But basically, if he could be one of the elder vampires. Oh, that's true. Oh, the because they so, they kept mentioning the one big guy over L.A. and that's why yeah. like, there's that. Um, there's you know Dave Franco, uh, Seth, and the Heather, the the random neighbor. There's a lot of big plot yeah. holes in this movie, but you Seth, just kind of have to forget about those. So Seth and Heather are vampires. Yeah, Seth becomes one in the movie, but they're vampires who end up being on. They're sort of the good guy vampires. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's what Snoop's character is. He's He runs L.A. and he's sort of the top bounty hunter of these vampires, basically. Takes out all the bad keep, ones. Keep them in check, yeah. And at the same time, keep control of his territory. I would watch a movie just focusing on him if that was the case. <laughs> well, I wondered if they were going to tip it toward the, uh, the movie he made years ago, Bones. Mm. I, I wondered if they were going to tiny thing to that but you know it, it is what it is it's I think we could get a sequel because they love doing sequels these days yeah it depends what Netflix wants to do at this point yeah and if it gets good enough views which it probably will with the cast that um, the cast that it has it's going to draw people to it mm-hmm. people are People are going to want to see Jamie Foxx and and all of that, but um, we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. I was I was looking up Bones here um, because it's not. I got it's not dog song stuck in my head. It it it's not a uh, it's not a vampire story per se, but it was 
it was it was a supernatural film. So I was wondering if they were going to try and, and at least or take, something. take a nod to that. Because in that one, Snoop uh, plays Jimmy Bones, a murdered numbers runner that rises from the grave to avenge his death. Mm. Um, so he could have still been running. Right. I don't know. Oh. It's just, you never know what they might tie from one property to the other. Um, so I was at two and a half on this. You two were at two and a half. half. Yes. Next week, Scream 2022. Mm, mm, mm. Are you going to watch yeah. any of the other Screams before we do this one? Well, we watched the first one last year. Mm. I looked up the the list yesterday morning, and I think it's Scream 1, Scream 2, then Scream 3, and then the Scream, the TV series, and then this movie. So I'm like, oh, that's just too much. Because we were thinking about watching like at least Scream 2 and yeah. coming to it, but I think we're just going to – it depends on time again. So Yeah. yeah. I'm going to probably just watch this and hope it doesn't claim the lowest movie spot for me Oof. out of these. <laughs> I have such – Fond memories of the original well, see, screen. I've got high screen. hopes. I already know uh, one, if not the killer of the film. It got ruined for me on Twitter at the beginning of the year when it came out. So, Oh, yeah. But I'm going to try and shut that off in my brain. so I can... My memory's not that good. So, so... Uh... <laughs> Lots happened between now and then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the week after that, Creep Show. Uh, which I, can't, I, know you're, I can't believe you're... we're almost done. That's what's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. So, but I know you're looking forward to Creep Show mm-hmm. if you've never seen it, and I'll be curious to see which one you like better, okay. that or Trick or Treat, because I know you really like Trick or Treat. Sam's sitting right out front, so he's part of our lawn decorations for Halloween. There you go. <laughs> you better put the pumpkin out, or he's going to come knocking yes, on the door. Because he doesn't knock, you know. It's more of a slashy slash, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. In news, in movie news, this is one that I saw it going around as a rumor. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it on the show. Yeah. In the in the discussion we were having. And it has come true from Matt Grober at Deadline.com. Harrison Ford has been cast as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross for Captain America New World Order. He will star opposite Anthony Mackie. And they go on to write, it's official. Um, he'll star opposite Anthony Mackie with Shira Haas, Tim Blake, Nelson, and Carl Lumbly also among the ensemble. Ford's Captain America casting had been in the rumor mill for some time, with the anklers Jeff Snyder among those speaking to it of late. While the new film's plot is being kept under wraps, Mackie will reprise his role as Sam Wilson, who assumed the mantle of Captain America, in Disney Plus's hit series Falcon and Winter Soldier, Julius Ona will serve as the pick's director. So, the question, Tyler. You think this is a one and done? See, I don't know. Because he got tired of doing Star Wars stuff. Right. And and now he's getting tired of doing Indiana Jones stuff. I and mean, we've said that on the show, you know, read those articles as well. Now like this is this is one of those roles that it's continuous. Now, do I think he's maybe a little too old for the role? I mean, 
uh, unfortunately, the actor that was playing Thunderbolt Ross just passed away as well. William Hurt. And right, and I, I hate for Harrison Ford to get close to filming and something happened to him as well. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how this works and how they retcon it or how they're going to do. But I, I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. I, I'm not the I'm not into it yet as much as I think I should be. I'm wondering if what they'll do because I think the Captain America movie I believe comes out before the Thunderbolts. Mm, I think, I'm I sure think that's right. Look. And I'm wondering if what they'll do is have him in Captain America kill off the character and then have the Thunderbolts named in his honor. Mm. Bye. Uh, so Captain America New World Order is May 3rd, 2024. Thunderbolts is July 26, 2024. So, yeah. So... I wonder if they'll do something like that. Yeah, like he's he's putting the team together, but he gets killed, and then Allegro de La Fontaine takes over. Yeah, I can see that. That way, he's not making a huge commitment. Just a yeah. one and done kind of thing. Yeah, helps them wrap it up with that character. Right. All right, from the Twitter account of one Brandon. B.D. Davis. Actually, at Brandon Davis B.D., but, you know, he put nicknames in the middle. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. Society decided that. Uh, DC updates going crazy. Superman movie with Henry Cavill by Quiz... By Quiz? Chris McQuarrie. <laughs> Apparently, I'm Elmer Fudd now. Right. Uh, the Flash sequel is already written. James Gunn is on a new DC mystery movie. And the Batman is getting multiple villain spinoffs. Two we things talk... that, yeah, that excites ahead. me here. Obviously, the Superman movie with Henry Cavill is extremely exciting. And then James Gunn getting a new movie that he's going to do. It makes me really excited. I wonder if mystery movie is a is a clue. Mm. They had a series in DC Comics that I used to have some issues from uh, called Secrets of the Haunted House. Mm. And I just wonder if that could be. They also had another series called Unexplained. So could they be doing something like that? Not right. quite superhero-y, but something decent. could be right of James Gunn's area of expertise. I mean, he... He loves doing stuff like that, so. Right. Or is it tied to um, Peacemaker? Right. One of those characters. Um, but we talked before the show just briefly about this. You're on the lookout for your Kevin Feige to reboot your entire universe, and you're scheduling these films. You, yeah, with recurring characters. Why? So, <laughs> just DC on DC, I guess. Now that could be James Gunn's mystery project. Maybe Him taking he's over, taking over, and he's planning that. God, he'd be so one. good at it, though. He'd be so yeah. good at it. So, but I mean, I I don't understand why they're doing a Flash. Why they're already writing Flash two? 
like unless Grant Gustin's gonna yeah take over. But I mean, over, yeah, because Ezra Miller's done. No yeah. one's gonna want to watch that. Mm-mm. If you're not gonna release the Batgirl movie for monetary reasons, correct? Come on, it, it makes no sense to me. It doesn't at all. But like you said, DC's gonna DC. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see. Speaking of DC. God, they're just <laughs> involved in everything, and it's always so bad. A big, um, big week for DC, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> this is also from Deadline and Anthony D'Alessandro. Um, after 15 years at Warner Brothers and four as the president of DC Films, Walter Hamada has finally left the Burbank, California lot. Sources tell Deadline the exec is waiting for the senior Warner Brothers Discovery brass to finalize his exit payout. Hamada's run DC since 2018, so it's partially his fault. And re up in January 2021 <laughs> with a contract that was supposed to take him through 2023. Um, all of this occurs as New Line DC's movie Black Adam, on which Hamada as an EP is tracking to open to a projected $135 million at the global box office this weekend. Despite some harsh reviews, the writing has been on the wall for Hamada's DC exit for quite some time, and sources said he's packed up his office and hasn't been part of recent creative meetings. Hmm. Now, first off, yes, I've heard horrible things about Black Adam. Um... And that's mainly from the critics, though, because like yeah. a, a audience score is at ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and critics is like at forty-five or something like that. Yeah, but they hit ninety percent on audience score this weekend. But I will say this: he's supposed to his contract's supposed to last through twenty twenty-three. So I mean, which is right around the corner. Yeah, you're looking for someone to step in and take his place. Why not just have the guy stay mm-hmm. and transition and help find? Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Un- <laughs> unless they don't want his input, right? <laughs> We're good. Who knows, man? <laughs> we'll just put a help wanted sign out front. Right. Okay. Everyone, everyone, apply at this point. <laughs> Uh, it's not a bad idea. Maybe we should send our resumes in. Right. And, hey, hey we did a whole podcast on it. So, <laughs> uh, Next up from Screen Rant and Tyler Baumy. Oh, wait. Tyler Baum. Sorry. <laughs> Double vision. Uh, Zatanna movie from promising young woman writer no longer at HBO Max. That's an odd headline. Yes. Um, HBO Max has scuttled plans to platform Zatanna a live-action adaptation of the comic book that runs under the DC banner. The Zatanna movie is set to be part of the Justice League Dark Initiative, a bold endeavor sponsored by Warner Brothers that's headlined by lesser-known heroes and foes of the DC Universe, with J.J. Abrams leading the charge. If seen through to completion, the Zatanna movie will be one of just a few DC films with a female protagonist. What? Um, what's the craziest thing about this to me is, this news came out this week... Um, six days ago, so Monday. And I didn't even hear about it, read about it until you sent me the text message. And I thought that I already knew about this, but then when I was pulling an article up for the website, like nobody's talking about this. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because it was so early on in development that, and it's a character that no one really cared about that much. But I was like, 
Um, no one really is, is talking about this movie or being canceled or anything. So I was like, well, I mean, that's telling as it is right there. And the other thing is, what is um, what's going on with them? Because they're they're trying to find another streaming partner for the movie. Mm-hmm. So why would you not just keep that in house? Same reason I, I, they canceled Batgirl. I, <laughs> nobody I mean, knows. Don't get me wrong. I understand if you find someone to stream it, they're going to pay you right. for the rights to stream it. But you're going to get the viewership if you stream it. So mm-hmm. You get the money for the subscriptions. <laughs> I, I just don't know, man. I, I've, I've got no words. Yeah. Well, I've got some, but I can't say them here. Um <laughs> Final bit of news from Jenna Anderson at comicbook.com. This comes from the Batgirl film world, the one we just mentioned we're not going to see. Michael Keaton's paycheck for Batman Return reportedly revealed. With the release of Black Adam this weekend, the future of the DC Films franchise is back on many fans' minds yet again. The series of superhero films are undergoing a lot of evolutions under the tenure of Warner Brothers' discovery, including the controversial cancellation of the studio's Batgirl movie earlier this year. The film, which was originally made for the HBO Max streaming service, has now been shelved entirely, but a new report sheds light on one aspect of the now-canceled film. On Friday... A deep dive from The Hollywood Reporter revealed Michael Keaton received $2 million to appear as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in Batgirl in what the report describes as a glorified cameo. According to the report, Keaton only participated in a week's worth of work on the film, which had already wrapped production and was in the middle of post-production before being canceled. I mean, Uh, $2 million for a week isn't bad. (laughs) No, I'll... (laughs) Good for I'll take you. that. <laughs> I'll take that all day long, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just—it's not surprising that he would get that kind of money. Yeah. And then they, again, I, I think the only question is if there was any chance you were canceling it, why would you even go there? Right. That DC gun, DC. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's, dude, I've got no idea. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's what it's all going to come back to is DC is going to DC. Right. Um, is there, I guess that makes sense though, right? Because DC also stands for disconnect. So, yeah. So there you go. That, Disconnecting the DC. Heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> Releases this week on Netflix on October the 26th. We get The Good Nurse. On Netflix on the 28th, we're going to get All Quiet on the Western Front. And then. Also on the 28th on Netflix, Wendell and Wild. So, hmm. there you are. Chris, I don't have any video game news. Have you been playing anything this week? Or uh, When I've gotten a minute, it's just my normal stuff. Uh, I will say this. EA is about to lose. I'm, I'm getting tired of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. They've had all kinds of issues, with, especially with Mutt. Yeah. And... Uh, come to find out as soon as the game launched they took half their team and moved them to the college football game coming out next year and so yeah people are earning rewards that aren't paying out and it's not getting fixed for weeks because 
they don't have the staff to fix everything. Sets are jacked up. People are complaining mm. about the Economist and how he's because they hire someone to make sure all the all the odds on the packs and everything are balanced out, and those aren't right. Uh, a lot of content creators started a pack strike, urging people not to participate in microtransactions until it's fixed. And so yeah. nothing's been fixed or anything. It they haven't even acknowledged the pack. Strike. Oh God, yeah. that's horrible. <laughs> Well, well, it sounds like they've already moved on, and yeah. that's unfortunate. I think, I think a lot of gamers will too eventually. Yeah, it's. But you know, I am excited about the college football game next year. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well. I've played Destiny. Uh, they had their festival, of the Lost, their Halloween festival, going mm-hmm. on. I wanted to play Call of Duty. I got access to the campaign early. That came mm-hmm. out this past Thursday. And I have not had a chance to touch it. Hopefully in the morning when I get home from the gym, between the gym and work, I can have like a maybe a little bit to play, maybe a mission or two. But from the screenshots and videos I've seen, it does not look like a video game to me. Like it, it looks so damn real. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's, I really need to get in this before it gets spoiled for me. I'm hoping this next weekend, with it being Halloween weekend, mm-hmm. I can set a night aside and play the quarry. Oh, that's right. Oh. I haven't been able Listen. to yet, so I'm going to try and do it then. I have also been playing a game that I have put a lot of hours into. It is a mobile game. I'm not a very big mobile gamer. But, Chris, there is a new card action game called Marvel Snap. And I've got it up here on the screen. Yeah, it's my character right there. I'm level. I'm ranked 67 right now. You know, not a big deal. But Two more in your... Uh, two more in your good to go dude it's this game has taken so much time out of me because each game you play against people but, but each game lasts less than three minutes three minutes tops and then oh, you're cool. you're in and out and it is so much fun you start off with cards and you got three different zones and each zone does something differently what you're trying to do is to put enough cards in zones to get more level get more Get a higher number than your opponent does. And there's different things like Mr. Fantastic gives uh, all three zones power. And it's, every character does different stuff. So, I mean, I've got Iron Man on my team, of course. You can get Captain America and all sorts of people. But, man, it's addicting. It's free. And there's a $10 battle pass, and I am about halfway through the free version of it. And I'm like, oh, I've played this way too much. I should probably give them some money. Um, but I haven't yet, so we'll see what happens with it. But man, I'm telling you, it, it's a great game. So, let me try that. Dude, you, you, I'm, it's addicting. It's very addicting, yeah. and I love card games like uh, Magic and Hearthstone and stuff. And uh-huh. it's got that much of an itch that scratches it for me. And then it's all your Marvel characters. And you upgrade your cards. So your first I, level is your basic card. Uh, your second level is rare, or no, it's a uh, borderless. I got. I got Quicksilver here, and so he is green, but he is outside the border. So I I border broke him, right? And then your next level is rare, and it's – I forget what they call this. But you see how I move him, and he moves outside of the card? Uh Uh-huh. And then the next one is animated. So I've got Medusa here, but she's moving around. The bank ground's moving around behind her. And the last one yeah. is gold. I don't know what it does yet because I haven't got leveled up someone enough to that. 
but it's got that collecting aspect of it as well. Like you want to collect yeah. every single card and hero yeah. or villain. I I used to play Strike Force a lot mm. when uh, when it was. You'll big. you'll like this then. Okay. So it's it's very addicting, and everybody I might just be part of that ecosystem now. But there are uh-huh. a lot of people playing it and loving every single bit of it. And I'm like, it's it's perfect for just that quick little itch of a game. You're just three yeah. minutes, you're out. Three minutes, you're out. So it's fun. I'm, down, I'm downloading it. <sighs> you're, listen, you're going to have to tell me. You're going to have to send me your deck when you, when you get into it. Because it's fun. It's a good tutorial, too. Wait, uh, did you say deck? Deck, yeah. You get oh, 10 man. cards for your game. You had me worried for a minute. <laughs> No, don't, don't send me that. I, I don't want to see him. Yeah. Uh, no more releases this week. Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Martyr for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, October 27th. Bayonetta 3 for the Switch, October 28th. And then the big one this week, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 for everything but the Switch, October 28th as well. And I can't wait. And Next weekend, this is going to be so busy, so I'm going to find time. I'm just going to lose sleep this week. Yeah, this is what it is. I'm, I gotta sacrifice something. I'm gonna sacrifice the sleep for it. So, but ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the Nerd Wine Podcast. We hope you all enjoyed what you heard and or saw. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms, and forget to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcasting service you use. Um, social media, you can follow the Nerdwide account at nerd underscore wide on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MavTN7 on Facebook.com. Hit that search bar. Just type in Nerdwide Podcast or just Nerdwide. We'll be the first thing that pops up there. Follow us on there and on Twitter. Those two spots, the first way you know when an episode goes live, unless you are already subscribed, then it goes directly into your inbox. So whichever one you want to do. But guys, as always, this has been the Nerdwide Podcast, and we cannot wait to see you next time. Talk to you then.